We have four weeks left, counting tonight. We want to finish strong on Wednesday night before we take the month of July off. And we're going to try to get as far as we can in 1 John, because when we start back in August, we're going to be starting a new series on Wednesday evenings. So we probably won't get completely through 1 John, but we're going to try to get as far as we can. Also, while I think about it, because I know I'll forget if I wait till the end, uh, if I could meet with the elders who are here tonight for just like two minutes after Bible study over there in the corner, I would greatly appreciate that. All right. First John chapter 4, we're going to begin this evening at verse 4, where we left off last couple weeks ago uh, in verse 3, but I want to sort of get a running start into this passage. It's a great passage of encouragement and reassurance for the people of God. And so I hope tonight that you will walk away from this encouraged and reassured yourself uh, after we are uh, confronted, if you will, with the words of the Apostle John. Let's be reminded in the first three verses of 1 John chapter 4, John has written to the church about the spirit of the Antichrist. And he tells them the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. He tells them that many false prophets have gone out into the world. That they are battling invisible, wicked forces. Um, You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So with all of that said, you know, we all could sort of maybe get a little intimidated. A little like wide-eyed, like, wow, you know, we've got a lot to contend with. How are we going to do this? You know, John is telling us that we've got to test the spirits. We've got to rigorously examine them. You know, how are we going to do that? How are we going to stand up to the assaults of our soul and of our church and all of this? Well, then comes verse 4, where John says these words. One of my favorite verses in all the Word of God. You are from God, little children, and have conquered them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Let's break this down tonight. First of all, John says to his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, you are from God. He's not talking about being created. Everyone is created by God. And in a sense, in one sense, everyone comes from God. Without God, who's the cause of all things, there would be nothing, including any of us. But when he's talking to Christians here, he's reminding us that our God is the foundation of our life. That we are from him. He is the origin. He is the cause. He is the source. He's the primary influence and motivation. And the foundation of our life is solid. It is sure. It is steadfast because it is God. Let's remember that tonight. We never, as believers in Jesus Christ, live on shaky ground. We always live on a very sure and firm and stable foundation because we are from God. If you are a born-again Christian 
and you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are from God. And you have the best, the greatest, the most enduring foundation that any human being could ever have. And he tells this by addressing them as little children. No matter what our physical age, no matter how long we have been a Christian and walked with Christ, from God's perspective, we're all His little children. Because compared to God, we are still finite, feeble, limited. But what He's going to remind all of us tonight is, we may be little ourselves, but we have a big God on our side. And that's what He wants to remind these folks of. That's what He wants to remind us of. That yes, the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. And yes, there are false prophets. And yes, we are battling invisible forces of wickedness and, and, and all these things. But in spite of the fact that we have all these limitations as human beings, we have a big God on our side. Don't forget that. You are from God, little children. And then he says, you have conquered them. Perfect tense in the Greek language. It means, first of all, that it has been a decisive victory. That this victory, if you will, that we have through God was not close. It was not like a sporting event where the the outcome was in jeopardy. (laughs) The victory that you and I have through Jesus Christ was a very decisive victory. And you'll notice also in the language that it's not something we fight for, it's something we fight from because we already have this victory. He says, you have overcome them. The question is not, can a Christian be victorious? The question is, will we as Christians live in the victory that Jesus Christ has already supplied for us? That's the question. The word conquered here could also be translated overcome, prevailed, again, been victorious or triumphed. (laughs) And who is the them? Well, the them could refer to the false prophets. It could refer to the false evil spirits behind the prophets. Whoever it's referring to, the real crux of what the Apostle John wants to get across is we already have the victory. Are we living in the victory that Jesus Christ has already given to us? Again, we do not fight for victory, but from victory. We have already overcome. So, when you and I as Christians are struggling with something. Something is getting the better of us. Something is winning in our lives, not of God. We've got to come back to this and remind ourselves that God did not save us so that we would be defeated. God saved us so that we could live in the victory that He has supplied and be victorious, and triumph, and prevail, and overcome the things that come against us. Whether they're the spirit of the Antichrist, whether they're false prophets, whether they're evil spirits, whether they are people in the world, whatever they are, 
we need to learn to live in victory. And in the rest of this passage we're going to look at tonight, I think we're going to see a, a way that we can continually live in victory in our lives. But we'll get to that in just a minute. Notice he says, You are from God, little children, and have conquered them because... And here's the reason for the victory ongoing in our lives. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I left with a sinus infection before vacation, and I came back with not a sinus infection, but junk. So I apologize. I sound like, you know, I'm underwater. I'm, I'm not, but I sound like it. Because the one who is in you, who's he referring to there? I believe he's referring to the Holy Spirit. God lives in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, again, if God's Holy Spirit lives continually in me, that that means then I have available to me God, a very God, at all times, so that I can be victorious, prevail, triumph, overcome. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit doesn't leave a believer. The Holy Spirit does not come and go. We are permanently indwelt with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And so the one who dwells in all of us, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who is in the world. I think he's specifically referring to the spirit of the Antichrist in this context. But he could be referring to anything, right? Because he's God, the Holy Spirit. He could be referring <clears throat> to the false prophets. He could be referring to the evil spirits. He could be referring to all the forces of hell combined. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is greater than them all. Because as God, he is the Almighty. Just as the Father is the Almighty and the Son is the Almighty, the Holy Spirit is the Almighty. He is infinitely mightier and stronger than any other thing in the universe. So think about that. And let me go back to what I just said. Even if all the forces of hell combined were against you or me at any moment in our lives, because we have the Holy Spirit in us at all times, who is infinitely greater than all of them combined, they are no match for the Holy Spirit who lives within us. The question is not, do we have the resource to overcome, to prevail, to triumph, to be victorious? The question is, will we walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit and yield to the Spirit and live in the victory that Jesus Christ supplies. And that's what John wants to get these folks to see. So that they can be encouraged in the challenges that they face. So that they can be reassured that, that God didn't just save them and then sort of let them out there to sort of paddle around in life trying to figure this out for their own and not have what they need to have in order to conquer. No, not at all. In fact, John says, you've already conquered. Is that the mindset that we come with each day? Not, 
I need to get victory over this, but I already have victory over this. I need to live in the victory that Jesus Christ supplies. And I need to be mindful of the fact that the Holy Spirit of God, who is infinitely mightier and stronger than any force I will ever come up against, lives within me at all times. And be reminded of that. Again, maybe little children we are, but we have a great God on our side. And every once in a while, again, we need to remember how great God is. We just sang about that tonight. And remember that our God is infinite. There there is no end to God. God never gets to a place where there's a limit on, say, His power where he uses up so much power that he's only got this much left. No. You and I, as the Bible says, and even youths, can run out of strength and power and stamina. But God never does. God is infinite in his attributes. Whatever he possesses, it is an infinite quantity. That'll make your brain hurt for a little, you know, when you start thinking about that. But it's good to be reminded of these things because so often we as Christians come up against challenges and trials and situations in our life to where we feel like we don't have what we need to have. Somehow we're lacking and we're deficient and we don't have the resources to meet the challenges of life. And John is saying, no, 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 Christian. You're from God. You've already conquered them. Because greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. We are as safe as God is strong. That's what John's saying. Is there anything stronger than God? Is there anything that can overpower God? Is there anything that can subdue God? No. So John says, if you're from God, then you are as safe, as stable, as secure as God is strong. Because there's nothing that's ever going to overpower Him. Live in Him and in the victory that He supplies. Now, John goes on in verse 5 to say this. They are, I think speaking of the prophets, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world's perspective and the world listens to them. I think what John now is laying out here in verses 5 and 6 is a way for us to always live in victory. And and that way is, you'll notice, by, by what we listen to at all times. Because what we listen to, what, what our mind absorbs, shapes our way of thinking. And so you'll notice in verse 5, and then I'm going to come back to this in little details, 
that John says, those that are not from God, listen to these people. But then in verse 6 he says, because we are from God, we listen to these people. And what he's really saying is, we are always willing to listen to the truth that is spoken through these people, is really what he's saying. The message of God, the Word of God, the Bible. Or whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about, who lives within us. And so this is really important. Because many times, even though Christians have this victory in their lives, you know, Paul says to the Romans, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Romans 8.37. Or in the Net Bible translation, it says, we have complete victory. Not partial victory. We have complete victory through Jesus Christ, the one who loved us. Romans 8.37. And yet many Christians don't seem to be living victorious lives. They're not prevailing. They're not overcoming. They're not triumphing. Why? If we've already conquered them, why are we not seeing more Christians live in victory? Because I think it also comes back that we are responsible to what we listen to. And what we listen to that shapes the way our, of our thinking is going to determine really what our day, our week, our month, our year as Christ's followers look like. Because even Jesus said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Which is why the Bible goes into how important it is that we renew our mind every day with God's word. Why Paul says to the Romans, <clears throat> don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. Why Paul says to the Philippians, think on these things. And then he lists all these things in Philippians 4, 8, and 9 that we should think on. Direct our mind toward. When we're not allowing our way of thinking to be shaped by God's truth and God's messages and God's word, even though our victory has already been secured, we may not live in that victory because our mindset is being more shaped by the world and others of the world that we're listening to more than God and those who are speaking for God. And this, again, is one of the reasons why I, I grieve, really, when, I, when, when Christians do not make the hearing of God's Word a priority in their life. Whether it be just coming to church where they can hear the Word of God, or, or getting into the Word of God every day themselves, or listening to God's truth and God's messages. Because if we, even as Christians predominantly are getting our messages from the world that does not align with God, then our way of thinking is going to be warped. It, it, it's going to be off. And, and we're not going to live in the victory that's already been secured for us. We're going to, in a sense, start out our day defeated, discouraged, Brian talked about that Sunday. In despair, letting circumstances and, and situations and things in our life get the better of us rather than realizing 
that we can face every day in light of the truth of 1 John 4, 4. We're from God. We have already conquered them because the one who lives in us is greater than any who's in the world. But again, it goes back to listening. And who and what we're listening to. So John says, verse 5, they, I think again in the context, referring to the false prophets he talks about in the first three verses of chapter 4, are from the world. This collective independent spirit, if you will, that exists in the mass of humanity that is alienated from God and hostile to the cause of Christ. Therefore, he says, they speak from the world's perspective. You could also say the world's viewpoint. Because they are aligned with the world and not from God like we are, then what they say does not come from God. It comes from a worldly philosophy, a a worldly way of looking at things, a worldly perspective, a worldly viewpoint. And notice, he says, and the world, the mass of humanity out there, listens to them. They embrace them and their teaching and their advice. They yield to it because it lines up with where they are. They're from the world and so are they. It makes sense to them because they don't have that godly perspective that you and I have because they're not from God, they're from the world. But notice what he says then in verse 6. We are from God. We are, as God's children, aligned with God. Therefore, the person who knows God, the person who is becoming personally acquainted with God more and more every day, will what? Listen to us. And I don't think John is just referring to he and the other apostles who wrote the New Testament. I think he's referring to anyone who speaks the truth and the Word of God. Or the Word of God spoken through any individual. And the reason I say that is keep your finger there in 1 John 4, 6. And go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 47, for just a moment. One day, this very Apostle John heard Jesus say these very words in John 8, 47. Here's what Jesus says. The one who belongs to God listens and responds to God's words. Wow. You don't listen and respond, speaking at this point to the religious leaders of Israel, because you don't belong to God. John eight forty seven. <clears throat> if one belongs to God, they will listen to the word of God. If you don't belong to God, then you won't listen to the word of God. Because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up with your perspective and worldview. Because you're not from God. You're from the world. So notice back in 1 John 4, 6. 
excuse me. We are from God, and the person who knows God listens to us. But notice, whoever is not from God does not listen to us. They won't care to listen to the Word of God. So let me ask you this. Does it make then sense for all these churches today to be catering their message to people that aren't even aligned with God? And what are they having to do to get that message from their church to somehow sit okay with the people who don't know God yet? Following me? Hope you're tracking with me. Because it's a big problem today. There are many churches that actually shape the the message that they give to people that don't even know God yet. So they've got to either change that message to make it appealing, because the Bible says if you don't belong to God, you're not going to be willing to listen to the Word of God. See, that's why I tell people the church does not exist... What we do when we come together is, brother, we're not about trying to bring people to Christ through the, the messages that we give on Wednesday and Sunday. Now, I'm not saying God can't use it to bring somebody to Christ. God can do anything. But that's not predominantly our purpose. That's why Christians are called by God to go out there in the world and to win people to Christ out there and then bring them into the church Because at that point, being aligned with God by being born again, they will want to listen to the Word of God. And the church won't have to water down and and make their message, you know, very shallow or whatever to somehow appeal to or accommodate people who really are on the fence of whether they want to listen to it or not. No, the people of God will truly want to listen to God's Word. what John says. And if they don't belong to God, then they won't. And and we can't expect them to. No Christian should expect an unbeliever to somehow be interested in listening to the Word of God. As Paul said to the Corinthians, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit because they're spiritually discerned. And they're like foolishness to them. Because the In order for the Word of God to make sense to a person, they've got to be aligned with God. And then the Holy Spirit comes into their life and then can begin to lead and teach them and guide them in the understanding of God's Word. Apart from the Holy Spirit living within them, this this book cannot be discerned on our own. You see. So then John goes on to say this. By this we know the spirit of truth. By this we are able to perceive or recognize the Holy Spirit or what is in harmony with God's revelation. The reality, if you will, determined by God, which is really what the word truth means. Many people today in this world live in a fantasy world, a world of illusion 
or delusion because it, what they're trying to create with their life and their world around them does not line up with the reality of God. And that's what truth is. Truth is the reality that has been determined by God himself. You and I don't determine reality. God has already determined it. It's just a matter of will we accept it or not. And then he also says, not only can we know the spirit of truth, we can also perceive and recognize the spirit of deceit. The spirit that departs from what God says is true. And very interestingly, this word for deceit not only speaks about departing from what God says is true, but it's a word that speaks about a person wandering. Never, never stable, never steady, constantly out there like a planet circling, wandering around. Which when you then bring that last word of 4-6 up to the beginning of 4-4, you come full circle. Because John started out this great passage by talking about the fact that we're from God. And we have this solid steady, settled foundation. We don't need to wander looking for something. We've already found it in God. And we have everything we need. Because the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. But those who have not yet landed on the truth of God and the reality that is God continue to just wander. Wander and wander from this thing to that. They're never settled for long. Never stable. Never secure. Because all of that stability and security and safety and all that comes from aligning ourselves with God. And living in the victory that God already supplies. I hope tonight that especially 1 John 4, 4, that we all know, can, some, can somehow have maybe even a new or fresh meaning in our lives. Maybe it's a verse that if you never committed verses of Scripture to memory, you could just memorize it. It won't take you that long. It's one verse. And it's something that you can meditate on all the time. Wake up every day. I'm from God. I have overcome them because the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. And remind yourself that my God is great. In fact, there is nothing or no one greater. He is the Almighty. He is infinitely mightier, stronger than anything. And you can remind yourself that even again, if all the forces of hell were to come against me at one time, they are no match for the Holy Spirit. He could instantly and easily defeat them. No problem. Because He's God. And we have Him living within us. But John goes on to say, part of 
learning to live in this victory and living with this mindset and this way of thinking comes back to making sure that we are continually listening to the Word of God, to the truth of God, to the message of God, aligning our minds and having our minds renewed because it's so easy to get stinking thinking. To drown in our own thoughts that don't line up with God's truth. To begin to think things and, and, and look at things from a worldly perspective rather than a godly, biblical perspective. And that's why the Bible teaches us this has got to be a daily thing. I can't as a Christian live in this kind of victory if I'm only going to saturate my mind with God's way of thinking every so often. Then all these forces, the spirit of the Antichrist that already exists in the world and all these false prophets and all these false teachers and all these invisible forces of wickedness and, and even my own flesh, there's no way I won't start getting off track if I don't make it a priority to listen to God every day and make sure that I'm allowing God and His Holy Spirit who lives within me to take His Word, to take His message, to take His truth and shape my mindset, my perspective, my way of thinking. So that it lines up with God and the reality that is God. Well, with the few minutes we have left, let me move on just real quickly to introducing where we're going to be the next couple of weeks. And now John comes back to love. <laughs> Why? Because again, these false prophets were claiming that you could be from God, but it didn't affect our way of life. Not only our way of thinking, but our way of life. And that I could be aligned with God, but not love. <clears throat> and John says, no. If you and I are lined up with God and we are allowing Him to shape our thinking, then we will be people who love. And so he says, Dear friends, again, a phrase he's used over and over again in this letter. A phrase that speaks about being beloved, divinely loved ones. Let us love one another. So I'm going to leave us with this thought. You will notice by the words, let us, that this is everyone's personal responsibility in the body of Christ. This command, this expectation from God is not just reserved for a few, it's for all of us. We all are personally responsible to love one another. And can I say, just like 
many other things that the Bible challenges us and commands us to do. You and I don't need a program in church to do this. We just need to grow as the people of God and just do it. Just love one another. Anywhere and everywhere we're given opportunity. And by this statement, dear friends, let us love one another, what John is saying is this. We are personally responsible to love all of them all the time. It's not enough to love all of our brothers and sisters in Christ some of the time. And it's not enough from God's perspective to love some of our brothers and sisters in Christ all the time. We as God's children, because we have the Holy Spirit living within us, and Paul tells us in Romans 5.5 that God has poured out His love into our lives through the Holy Spirit who has given to us, that we have no excuse or reason not to love. Because the capacity to love, that supernatural capacity to love as God loves, is planted within us through the person of the Holy Spirit. So I cannot say to God, God, I don't have what it takes to love my brother or sister in Christ. I can love some of them, God, but I can't love all of them. Or I can love all of them some of the time, but I can't love all of them all of the time. No, that's not what it says. There is no qualifications, if you will, on this command. It is for all of us to love all of us all the time. Now again, we could say, wow, I can't do that. You're right, I can't either. But the one who is in us can enable us and empower us to love all of our brothers and sisters in Christ all the time. Since he goes on to say, because love, this quality of love is from God. He's the origin. He's the cause. He's the source. So if you and I are lined up with God, if we are living in the Spirit or walking in the Spirit, then we will be able to love like this. And not just love some of the people some of the time, or some of the people all the time, or all of the people some of the time, but all of the people all of the time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the encouragement and the reassurance that you give us through your truth, your word. How important it is, God, that we as your children learn to let you shape our way of thinking, our perspective every day. Every day. Because, God, it's so easy to begin, even as Christians, to listen to the world's viewpoint. To the worldly way of thinking that is shaped by those who do not know you, have no regard for you, and exhibit this collective independent spirit that exists in the world. But, God, when we do listen to you, Oh, what truth 
can flood into our minds. Truth that Jesus says can set us free. Truth that can bring us confidence, reassurance. Truth that can enable us to be overcomers and prevail and triumph and be victorious. Because we realize, Jesus, that you've already been victorious. You've already conquered. It's a decisive victory that you have bestowed upon us. It's just up to us to live in that victory and to live from that victory. So God, help us to do that more and more. Help us not to be overcome by the things in the world or the things of the world. Help us to realize, God, who you are, that you are infinitely greater and infinitely stronger than any force that we will ever come up against. That nothing of this world, nothing in this world is greater than you. And as this great God who is on our side, who is for us, then who can be against us? God, go with us tonight. Give these folks who made an effort to come out in the middle of the week a special blessing, Lord. Help us as a group that comes out on Wednesday night to finish strong before we take a summer break. Give us great times together these next three weeks. And God, help us to live each day with such a sense of urgency in the times in which we live. We look around at our own country and this world and we grieve over the condition, Lord, that we live in today. This world has forsaken you. This world has no time for you. And yet we are rushing towards eternity. We are rushing towards the day of the Lord. And so many people, Lord, are going to be caught off guard. Help us as the people of God to stay awake, to stay alert, to be on top of things spiritually, and to stay close to you, Lord. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here tonight. We'll see you next week.